Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Monica. And we're two fangirls who like to talk about media and knit. This is our podcast, While We Were Knitting. This month, we watched the Marvel movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Relatively self-contained, it tells the story of Shang-Chi trying to figure out who he is in relationship to his family, especially his father, Wenwu, the semi-immortal wielder of the Ten Rings. The family has been separated for 10 years after Shang-Chi ran away from home, but the two siblings have been reunited because their father is hearing the voice of their dead mother calling to him from her secret village. The story unfolds from there. So this month, I knit Lockdown, a brioche pattern by Robin Weldon, and I did some spinning. And this month, I knit Harlow um, by Andrea Mowry um, with a slightly separate brim. <laughs> and like we were talking about earlier, it's good to have a brim in Chicago where it gets cold and just having that extra layer of warmth. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the interesting things about this, and I was thinking about it in comparison to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we watched earlier this year, is that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is very reliant on you having watched a bunch of previous Marvel. Like, or even if you didn't watch it, you had to kind of know what's going on. Whereas this movie, I'm pretty sure you could have walked in and never seen a single Marvel movie and been like, I understand what's going on. I'm getting all of the key points that I need to get. And I don't have any questions about what's happening. So it's interesting to think about how there's different layers of Marvel movies where different amounts of backstory is required. And I do think that I like the ones where you don't need to know as much because I don't watch as much Marvel. So I appreciate that. I like the ones where you, where, you know, it, it involves all the backstory, but I like that because it seems like an ongoing episode in a series, not necessarily because the movie stands well on its own. I think this one does stand very well on its own. And part of what I enjoyed about it is that it stood very well on its own, but they like throwing in those little like cameos and blips and things like that, where if you had been following the rest of what was going on, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's still in the same universe, even though it doesn't really seem like it. I have not seen Doctor Strange. So when the gentleman, um, I think his name is Wong, opened the portal, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a Doctor Strange reference because I saw that in Thor. I've never seen like <laughs> Not 100% sure. I don't know who this man is, but I did enjoy that. Like, I was like, I think I see what you're telling me. Pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Correct. It is. It was really funny that he was like this, you know, this, this very well-known character in the Marvels. It's like cage fighting. <laughs> Somewhere in Macau. Well, okay, then. <laughs> well, it reminded me of wrestling because they were like, we practiced this. You weren't yeah. supposed to hit this hard. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's fun. I like that some yeah. of these are fixed. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that also brings me to, I really liked the sister in this movie. I thought she was great. I really enjoyed yes. that. I love how I watched this movie like 10 seconds ago and I'm like, I'm blanking on her name because I didn't write it down on my little card. Um, <laughs> I'm so bad at names. But I really enjoyed that she was in charge of this entire operation and not only did she manage it she's like I own this place I am the main fighter I am this is my empire and I was like doing some math I'm like okay so she ran away from home at 16 that was after six years after he left and so she's 20 I was like okay gotcha babies these are two little babies two little babies one of them is running a catering empire and one of them is parking valet cars (laughs) Very different yeah, very, choices. Yes. 
Yes, quite, quite. <laughs> and I liked when we got to the second credit end scene because it's not necessarily something that I would have independently come up with. But once they were like, oh, she's not dismantling her father's empire. She's just taking it over. And I was like, good for her. I approve. I was she like, right. I was like, really? She's going to dismantle it? Really? <laughs> and then the cutscene came. I was like, ah, that, that, that makes a little bit more sense. Like he would have. I'm not sure he would have known how to, but he would have. Her, I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, it's also really pointing to the different ways that they take after their father and how they're continuing that legacy forward, where Mm -hmm. she is very much a leader and he is not. That's Mm -hmm. not what he's interested in. He carries the power of the Ten Rings, but he's not trying to reassemble an army and build his own empire in the same way that his father did. Yeah. I did kind of wish they had leaned into it a little bit more about how father was a hundred, not a hundred, a thousand years old and how mm. very different that would make him from his children who were born in the late nineties and how yeah. very different that would make him from this entire world where he was born so long ago and, and has such a different frame of reference having lived for all this time. And they didn't. And I was a little sad about that. Minus the one time you know, I called yeah. the old man in the village. He's like, young man, how dare you disrespect your elders? And I did think it, that was funny. But it was. <laughs> yeah, I did want them to lean into that a little bit more. And they didn't. I wish they had, but I don't think they wanted to make him any more of a sympathetic or an interesting character than they already did, I suspect. <laughs> and the problem with that is the movie that I really wanted and the movie that I walked away from this this end of this and like halfway through we rewatch was going I really want the pa- the story of these parents like, yes a mini series <laughs> of the dad and the mom because we kick off with again I love a beginning monologue I love to be situated in our world with a voiceover and I was just like this is a sexy little fight I'm into what's going on here they've got like a vibe and I was just like okay can we have like I don't think we're getting a full movie of this but I would love a full movie of this Yes, agreed. That you're like, oh, this is a great enemies to lovers thing going on here. <laughs> I was so into it. And it's exactly the type of love story I like because I'm like, these are two very well-matched people who have made these huge concessions to make each other part of their lives and to like give up immortality and give up all these powers because they want to build this family together. Yes. And you know what, after everything you can, like, I was watching this, I was like, oh yeah, I can totally see how he went in the direction he went after, after she died. Like, was it a good direction? No, it was a terrible direction. And, but you can see how it happened and you can definitely see how he ended up as he was. Mm -hmm. And especially in someone who was a warlord for a thousand years going, oh yeah, you know what, this was wrong. I'm just going to kill everyone. You know what? <laughs> you can see how that happened. Yeah. I found him very sympathetic. I don't think the movie wanted me to find him sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And like he, I was like, intellectually, I know this is a person who has caused a lot of destruction and like bad things in the world. And he's attacking the city because he wants wealth and power. But I'm like, but I am kind of rooting for him. Yeah. And once we found out that he was actually hearing something like he wasn't just making up that he could hear the voice of his dead wife. He, he actually was hearing something, even if that was a trap. I was like, Oh, he's getting the Darth Vader story arc. He is getting the death redemption 
story arc. I understand what's happening. I'm not, I, I don't want that, but I understand what's happening. I, I thought that there was still a small chance he might make it out alive. Small chance. He didn't, but I thought that, I thought that it was possible. <laughs> I was, I was pretty sure he was getting the Darth Vader death through redemption arc. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, you, you were right. <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting to see also how this movie thought about family and thought about legacy and what it was trying to tell me about family and legacy where at the end when they're on the dragon and fighting the soul seal soul soul stealer soul sucker thing other giant yeah yeah whatever that thing was um and the movie says the right choice was not letting go of your sister because you failed her 10 years ago by leaving even though you said you were coming back and I was like okay I understand from a narrative storytelling why this is the right choice for this character to make to address the wrongs that he has done in the past and to reunite with his sister but also the soul sucker is very much getting the soul of the great dragon and maybe you should go stop that me too that's exactly what I thought I was like okay I mean I'm I'm glad you care about your sister I'm glad you're not letting go of her but guess what you all die I know (laughs) it's one thing to say that you are going to give up something you care about but like if you are giving up something you care about and then she's gonna die anyways like maybe that is not the appropriate choice I was like no right she's gonna die if you don't let go and obviously because of the way the move set up Katie shoots the arrow and it like knocks out the soul sucker thing and everything works out but I was like I don't think I agree with this so yes I I I am with you because you know it it is meant to be a a fan this is this is not one of those Marvel movies that was meant to go dark I kept expecting it to I kept expecting there to be some horrible twist, like his aunt is actually like an agent of the soul sucker or something like that. And I was like, oh God, it's going to be so awful when that happens. And it never happened. And I was sort of pleasantly surprised and also a little disappointed at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it did feel like there was, they were setting up the space where they might have his sister betray him like that did Mm -hmm. seem like something that could potentially happen so I was Mm -hmm. actually happy when they you know made it work but it was it it did feel like there there was a little bit of tension that where something could go wrong and they ended up not Mm -hmm. doing that but Mm -hmm. it was interesting in that aspect and I do have to say though on the romantic relationship between Shang-Chi and Katie I was just like they don't have any chemistry no, they don't. I don't think it was meant to be a romantic relationship, was it? I think it was. And I kept being like, I think oh. you're trying to tell me this is romantic and I just, it, it's not working. Like, you're, Oh, I didn't get that at all. Because they kept being like, I was like, leaning on him and like, they're holding hands and they're walking hand in hand. And like her grandmother said, when are they going to get married? And I was just like, they have no chemistry. Why oh, is no. this happening? And I don't think they oh. necessarily firmly committed themselves to it like I think they could still back it out and be like no they're just really good friends which in my mind is the appropriate relationship and the relationship that I want to see between those two but I was just like oh I I don't buy this as a romance this is not the vibe that you've been giving me this entire movie 
No. Yeah, I, I agree. I did not buy it as a rule. I was actually fairly grateful. I was like, oh, good. They did not try. I was like, oh, good. They didn't try and force the romantic relationship. They're still buddies at the end. You know, they're good buddies, but they're mm-hmm. just buddies. I am sad that you thought that it was going another way because you're probably right. And I was just consciously blocking it out because I was like, these two do not do not belong together. Well, they just don't have they don't have romantic vibes. I would actually say that Katie and I did look up the sister name, Xiang Li, had mm-hmm. much more like I was like, I want to see these two people do kissing. Like there's yeah. like a fun little vibe here. I thought there was a possibility that might happen. And then I was like, it's a marvel. It's a marvel. <laughs> no. And it's also interesting to just think about in terms of who is the audience for this movie, because obviously it's a Marvel movie and a lot of the Marvel things are aimed at on the U.S. market, but it's also a movie that has a lot of Mandarin and has Chinese mm-hmm. characters, so they're probably hoping for that crossover market to do pretty well mm-hmm. well in China. Mm-hmm. And that also does mean that given the Chinese censorship laws, we are probably not getting oh. a story out of this. You're right. You're right. I didn't even think about that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's also, again, like you said, it's a Marvel movie. Marvel is not, they're like, oh, we had one queer background character and that's representation. And it's like, that's garbage, actually. Mm. So (laughs) at least in their movies, as opposed to their TV series, they're not interested in in doing um, queer love stories. And I was, but I was like, they have the most chemistry of the younger generation and it's and it's fun and I like the way yeah. they talk to each other and they should do yes because they're both very cute so they are very cute yes they are both very cute and you know one of the things that I appreciated was that you know Chi was he was a buff dude but he was an ordinary looking dude yeah. you know he wasn't like Asian supermodel dude, like the guy who they were showing driving the fancy car in the day. I was like, oh, wow, hot dude. Oh, he's not the main character. <laughs> I totally have, because I, I don't watch any trailers. So I totally had a moment where I was like, wow, I can see, like, I was like, oh, who are these two jokers, the valets that are the comic, but like the, the comic mm-hmm. interests in this, in this show? Oh, no, no, they're, they're actually yeah. the main character. I did like that. <laughs> Well, it made me think about when he was getting ready um, and I, I'd known they were valets because I think I read an article or something, but there was a podcast I used to listen to that always said that the uniform of people who are doing kind of more, and they were talking about it in a historical way. So like more servant work tends to be mm-hmm. the formal wear of the previous generation. And once I like heard that and learned that I was like, oh, that actually still happens today. Like when you think about who does who's wearing a suit and tie to work it's you know people who are like appearing in court of law or it's people who are like waiters mm-hmm. so having them in that tie with the little vest I was like okay yeah no I, I it's very funny how you're playing with that especially because the supermodel in the BM, BMW Nancy car, <laughs> Nancy is wearing an uh, open collar which reads very differently from somebody wearing a tie. But yes, his sister his sister was much cuter than he was. Oh yeah, she was. She definitely was. But I did like a lot of the little side characters that they put in this movie. Like Clef, who was live streaming from the bus and had taken martial arts as a youth and was going to raise the fight as it goes on. I was just like, I love everything about this character who has like three lines and is just like, yeah. we do some live streaming great loved him loved john john who was yes 
I speak ABC. I was like, ah! <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that was very funny. I was just like, oh my God. Oh. And then was just like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And he was like, who? I don't, I've never heard of Judith. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And then he comes out and I was like, yes. <laughs> and he's like I'm doing the announcing bit. That was, so, that was very fun. And I kept wondering if they were going on like a less amusing note, but I kept wondering if they were going to do something with, um, the father's henchman who was in the mask mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the fact that he was masked was like so emphasized and, mm-hmm. and dramatic yeah and dramatic and I think it was just a carryover from the uh, comic books not necessarily something that the movie was concentrating on in the same way yeah I agreed yeah I think it, I don't he never said anything I don't think he said one word in the no. entire yeah no, he dies during the soul suckers thing. And I was like, oh, I yeah. thought you might be doing something with this, but apparently not. He's dead. Nope, nope. Yep, you get eaten by the soul sucker. <laughs> I have to say, if there was one thing that I would net inspired by this movie, I would probably, this is not something I know how to do, but I know there's a lot of like crochet patterns with like dragon scales on them. Where you mm-hmm. make like, those little knit like blobs, blobs, mm-hmm. it's a scale. It's a knit scale. Um, and I think I would do something like that because I think the motif of having the um, dragon scale armor as well as like the actual dragon and the um, kind of weird door thing that was holding back the soul sucker yes it was a that was beautiful I was like oh is it is it like built out of the dragon scale Mm -hmm. because you know they use dragon scale weapons is yeah. it built out of the dragon scale of their protector dragon? Is that mm-hmm. why their protector dragon isn't around anymore? Oh no, their protector dragon is still definitely around, apparently. Yeah, the one <laughs> in the lake. But yes, yep, the one living in the lake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking along the same lines as as dragon scale, but I was thinking that I would knit the Rhinelust pattern, R H E I N L U S T by Melanie Berg. But it's the same thing. It's the, if you've ever knit the Pomatomas by Cookie, the, it is the oh, same yeah. sort of sweeping. Yeah, it is a sweeping scale pattern, except it's a shawl. Mm, yeah, I do love those socks. I have knit those socks, actually, now that mm-hmm. you're saying them. And that is a good yeah. scaly pattern. So I'm terrible with crochet. <laughs> I can't crochet either. I've crocheted. What did I do recently that I was like, oh my God, I actually successfully crocheted this. Oh, I did a crochet bind off. I was very proud mm. of myself because mm. I'm not good at crochet and I'm not good at tensioning it. So I was like, oh, look, it turned out nice, but I'm not good at actually crocheting. So I'm sure somebody has figured out how to do it in knitting. It's just probably annoying because mm. that's <laughs> different mediums. But visually, it was also interesting that they gave the sister a very different color. Like she's in silver and nobody else was in silver. So I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what to make of that. I was like, why wouldn't you give them the, the same mm-hmm. color if your whole thing is that, you know, in, in this particular village, everyone is the same and everyone else is wearing red. Yeah. So I didn't quite know what to what to make of that. I mean, it was very dramatic and I'm sure it mm-hmm. was just a visual choice to make her so you could actually like pick her out from everyone else dressed in red during these mm-hmm. fight scenes. Yeah. Um, but it was an odd visual choice. Yeah. I'm wondering if this is something where if they're setting up conflict between the two of them in the next movie, that it's easier to see them visually distinct if they're wearing different colors. Like in Black Panther, where they have the two different um, mm-hmm. Black Panther uniforms so that you could kind of tell who's who. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're probably right. 
they look different because they're not wearing masks, which is also helpful. And they look different are different sizes. But just having that level of visual distinction, like you said, is probably helpful. But it's interesting. I'm interested to see where they go with this because the other one of the other um, post credit scenes was where do these rings come from? And nobody knew. And it was actually something that watching the movie, I was wondering about because it's pretty distinct from the rest of the Marvel universe. So there's no, this comes from here. And these are the people that created them that you have run into in previous movies. It's just these 10 rings exist and no one knows how he got them. Because even with the mother's narration at the beginning, she just starts off and is like, he had these rings and he was very powerful. And you're like, okay, so where did they come from? as is the case for so many questions in the Marvel universe. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I appreciate they're actually thinking about these things. I mean, just like they're thinking about the Tesseract was always a thing mm-hmm. and I, you, you don't think of it as being this like infinity stone thing, but this is not an infinity stone. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that they're going in a different direction than the whole thing that it was. Mm-hmm. Though I have to say the fact that they got, they got Captain Marvel and the Hulk for yeah. the for the post credit scene, I was like, wow, okay then. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen many of the most recent Marvel stuff. So I was like, do I care why Bruce is in a sling? And I thought about it for five seconds. I was like, no, I don't. He's in a sling. Okay, stuff has happened. Yes, he's in a sling and he is not Professor Hulk anymore. So he's not like partially Hulk dead all the time anymore. So okay. oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Cool. Oh yes, that that was a thing. There was a, I think in the, in the most recent, in the Endgame movies, he was mm-hmm. the Hulk for most of it. Okay, no oh, interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think all of it actually. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's they make interesting choices. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to think about, like in terms of how this movie works as more of a standalone, but also what they're trying to do with the larger Marvel verse, where they've explicitly said that the Loki series is bringing in the multiverse in a different way and starting a kind of new stage with all of these mini series like Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. like Loki, like WandaVision and like the new Hawkeye thing mm-hmm. and how they're going to juggle all of that and deal with introducing new characters where like this movie, you don't need to really know very much versus carrying together the storyline and moving forward the overarching storyline, which is presumably about the multiverse. I assume. I have not been following the meta, so I don't know if it's maybe not about the multiverse. I did appreciate, well, I mean, I think the multiverse thing is going to end up so very confusing, but yeah. that kind of is is what it is. I actually do not enjoy multiverse storylines, but I know they're a big feature of the whole Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate that they addressed the, I don't know if you ever watched the old Iron Man movies. Oh, no. Um, yes. Yes. So the, you remember the weird old actor dude? With. Yes, I did. Ben Kingsley was having a blast. And I was yes, like, he was 100% having it. He was having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember the movie that he was in, mm-hmm. the where the, I can't remember if it's, it was either Iron Man 1 or 2. I can't remember. It was one of those. I think it was like um, Iron Man 3 because I did look this was up. Was it 3? It was like, he showed up and I was like, is that Ben Kingsley? Is Ben Kingsley? Oh, you're right. It is, it is 3 because there was a fourth one. I forgot there was a fourth mm-hmm. one. But yes. And I remember the whole like thing about the Mandarin and about the Ten Rings. And I vaguely, because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, a, as sounded, an Asian person, I'm finding this appalling. It sounded <laughs> pretty racist. I was like, oh, yeah. no, it was, yikes. It was bad. So I was like, how are you, 
how exactly are you guys gonna go from that to actually bringing the Ten Rings back in the same universe? But and this is how they did it. They were like, oh yeah, so that that actually did happen. We're not unwriting that. But mm-hmm. you know what? It wasn't actually him. It was this other dude. Yeah. I was like, oh okay, so that's how you're gonna explain off the horror that that was back in the day. I'm glad that they retconned it. It's interesting to think about, like, how do you deal with things like that where you're like, okay, this was something that was, like, super racist and we did it and we didn't do it all that long ago. This isn't like, oh, in, like, 1980-something we said this about the Ten Rings and we're just, no. It's like, oh, this was, what, 2014, 13? Not that long ago. And it was still super racist, but kind of acknowledging that it happened, acknowledging that it was super racist and that he was named after a chicken dish. He would be they were afraid of a fruit. That whole scene was actually very delightful um, because you have the two children who are just like, this is the 20th millionth time dad has told us this story. I can't believe that we as adults are still being forced to listen to this. Whereas Katie is just like, I don't know what's going on. And <laughs> I am just going to be like, all right, cool. Gotcha. Yes, yes. Yep. Yep. We're, we're going to deal with like my best friend's like thousand year old warlord dad who's telling us like bad dad joke stories. Oh my God. I loved him so much. I'm like, is he evil? Yes. But I love this dad who is semi-evil and I love yes. him. So. I'm not sure he is evil. I mean, well, well. He, well, he wasn't good. But. He wasn't good. That's, I think that's probably a more accurate way to put it. A gentleman with some interests in world conquest, which is honestly to me, like if someone's like, I am interested in world conquest, I'm like, theoretically, I understand why this is a bad thing, but intrinsically in and of itself, I'm interested. Tell me more. So yes, yes. I, I found, I, you are correct that I found the other members of the family in general, much more compelling story-wise compared to the main character. There was nothing wrong with him, but they were setting him up as like the soft-hearted Captain America type dude. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're not really Steve Rogers. I'm sorry. What I did appreciate was when he initially told Katie the story of why he ran away from home, he implied, he never said it, but he implied when she asked that, no, he hadn't been able to go through with it. He hadn't killed this man who had killed his mother. I think he did say he didn't go through it. He, no, because I just watched this. He, oh, he didn't. Did and, uh, he just kind of like looked off into the distance and then was like, I couldn't mm-hmm. go home after that. Mm-hmm. And he never said yes or no. He definitely implied it was a no, mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. never actually lied actively. And then when he came back to it, he's like, I actually did kill the man who killed my mother. And I was like, I think that's a more interesting character choice in a lot of ways. Yes. yes. And I think the complications of, the family storyline and of his relationship with his father as a child and a teen, as somebody who's obviously a child and should have been protected from those choices and is not making them with a full understanding of what they meant. But he very much, he, he did make a choice. Mm-hmm. Again, a choice he couldn't understand because he's seven, but he did right. make a choice that he wanted to pursue vengeance and he wanted to undergo this training. And it's a choice that's driven by being seven-year-old and feeling powerless mm-hmm. and being raised by somebody who has embraced the idea of revenge as an appropriate way to deal with this situation. 
But I think it complicated and made deeper a story that could have been pretty flat and one-noted if they had yes. out of that world. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I felt like he was a, he, you know, at 15, you can't really make the choice. Okay. Yes. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go kill my mom's killer and I'm going to be totally fine after that. Yeah. And he was making the choice even earlier than that when he was, yeah. you know, went with his father to whatever like place that the Iron Fist or whatever they were called gang was hired hiding out and was like, I want to be, I don't know if he wanted to be there, but he was there when this vengeance mm-hmm. was carried out and still kind of went down that path. And again, mm-hmm. he's seven. He can't, mm-hmm. like a seven-year-old can't understand what that choice means. Right. There's no way for him to do so. For me, the, the dad's horrible moment is when they're fighting on the cliffside and he's like, you just stood there while your mother I was know. killed. And he's like, he was seven, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, that that was the point where I'm like, this is bad parenting. You've been doing some questionable parenting previous to this. This is actively bad parenting in a lot of ways. And I object because he was seven and you should not blame either of these children for the death of your wife. And the other thing that I was watching this movie and I was thinking to myself, I was like trying to understand in the in-between time between when he took off the rings and when she was killed, like what was their family situation and it seems like he dismissed his army because she was planting flowers and like doing like a beautiful garden situation in the courtyard where people had been previously training but I was also like it seems very wild to have dismissed everybody to the point that these men could walk in when it's not been you know 10 years since you were trying to conquer the world and amass wealth and power. I, I was a little surprised by that, that, that that was how far he had gone. And for the sake of the story, I understand why they were like, we need to have this family be fundamentally undefended besides the mother who is obviously very strong and very powerful, but is separated from the power of the dragon and is one woman against these 30 men. I was like, I don't think I buy that necessarily, or at least I think it's a very, I would like to see more discussion about why he dismissed his army so entirely. Yeah, I mean, you're right, honestly, that their like love story and their family building would have been, would have been a very nice separate movie. Or I just want that movie. Yeah. That's the movie yeah. I want. I just want the story of the him trying to conquer the world, them falling in love, him giving it up, and then raising children for 10 years together. That's the movie yes. I want before this movie. And I understand Agreed. why they did not do that, because in certain ways that would have been even further separated from the main Marvel universe, and that would have been like two movies before you start tying things into the storyline where you want to go in. But I'm like, this is a lot more compelling to me. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that was like, and the movie kind of lampshaded it, but when Katie was like, I, then I shot the arrow and I'd only been doing it for like one day. I was like, I don't think you can figure that out that fast. No, like I'm, I, no. I don't think I'm supposed to understand that Katie has superpowers. I don't think that's the story you're trying to tell me. But Do you also, think she does? I'm wondering, I was wondering that too, because I was like, really? Because she's standing there at the archery range. I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the initial thought that I was having was that time worked differently within the village. Mm. And maybe what initially had been three days extended to more of like weeks or months which would have explained how they had time for like kind of all those training montages. Mm-hmm. But in the discussion with 
the high school friend and her husband at the end, they seem to imply no time was flowing normally within the village. She just became super good at arrows really fast. And I was just like, I don't think you're trying to tell me she has superpowers and therefore this makes no sense. And I'm going to let it slide because it's a movie that's a Marvel movie. And it thematically makes sense that Katie has discovered about herself that she's good at something and that she Mm -hmm. is not a disappointment and that she can help save the world. But also I strongly feel that you could not master this in the way that you're showing me. I strongly feel that you could not master this. And unless you're going to be the next Hawkeye, Mm -hmm. what really role do you have in being dragged along in all of these like world changing things that are going on? I don't know, (laughs) but to be continued, I guess. We'll have to find out in the next movie. Maybe she will be the next Hawkeye. Yes, more than one arrow. And because I know there's the Hawkeye series going on, which I am not watching. So I have no idea what's happening, but I am aware that they're finally doing Hawkeye things. Yes. We'll have to see what that, what happens and what they pick up. Yeah. Because the next piece of the Marvel universe that's just coming out is the Spider-Man movie, which is Mm -hmm. the multiverse nonsense. And I have not been tempted by any of the new Spider-Man because I just, generally find the fact that they continue to keep recycling Spider-Man to be exhausting. Um, But I am intrigued by the fact that they're acknowledging that there have been so many Spider-Men. I do, I do love a like nonsense multiverse storyline where you're like, and then there's like 20 different things happening. I'm like, all right, tell me more. Yes. Well, I mean, that was part of the reason that Into the Spider-Verse was fun because it wasn't just the Spider-Man, it was the absurd (laughs) Spider-Man. Okay. When I say I'm not into Spider-Man nonsense, that's excluding Into the Spider-Verse, which is a genuinely perfect movie and makes me cry every single time I watch it. I experience the full spectrum of human emotion. I love that movie so much. The live action ones, though, I just refu- have generally refused to keep up with because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you've cast a fourth, third. How many are we on? And I'm just like, I'm not here for it. But I am interested to see where they're bringing the larger Marvel universe and how Shang-Chi is going to slot into that I also appreciated that on the plane they gave us like in a little pronunciation guide like we're going to teach you how to say this and I'm like thank you so much I do not speak Mandarin and I appreciate that I I cackled out loud in the whole that's like going going into your name being Gina and then you going off and saying no my name is Gina I'm like oh my god (laughs) that's so good next month Oh, Monica, guess what? This is also our one-year anniversary. Happy anniversary. Oh Happy anniversary. We've done it for one year. Um, but next month, we are going to watch the new Matrix, as well as the first of the old Matrixes, because we don't acknowledge the sequels. And we're going to find out how, how this all looks after 20 years of this particular property. So, so exciting. We'll see. Oh, we forgot to talk about how, how was the combination because I got excited about The Matrix and also Spider-Man. But how was the combination <laughs> of Harlow with this movie? It was okay. As, as you know, I love a good fight scene. Mm-hmm. And there were times I, even with as simple as it was, I still had to go off and rewind fight scenes so that I could enjoy them to the fullest. I think something plain stocking at for someone who really likes to concentrate on fight scenes would probably have been better. Fair, fair. I did. I do like getting your reviews of the fight scene because I know you are a fight scene F combo. And I did very <laughs> much enjoy the sexy little fight scene between the parents. And yes. That was great. I was like, this is so good. And I enjoyed the fight scene between him and his father. 
but yes. I did not enjoy the fight scene on the scaffolding, which is just a personal, like, I am not great with heights mm-hmm. issue. So, like, I was like, this is technically very well done, but I also feel very uncomfortable and I don't like this. So that was my personal, yes. personal problems. It wasn't that it was bad. I just, like, don't like heights. The, my two favorites were the mm-hmm. fight scene, um, his parents' fight scene. That one's mm-hmm. That one is my favorite. Yeah, the whole like swirly, sexy, like you know, tangling of legs. Yeah, no, that was that was fantastic. That might be one of my favorite fight scenes ever, actually. It is very old kung fu movie style fight mm-hmm. scene, and I've missed that. And I liked the bus fight scene. The bus fight scene mm-hmm. was very good. Lots of like fun, different obstacles and things going on, mm-hmm. people moving around. Did you also see? And I only saw this when I was rewatching. In his parents' fight scene, his mother actually captures the ten rings. Mm-hmm. the way that yep. foreshadows the final one I was just like yeah. oh yep. I was like them. she took them she took them <laughs> yep. I didn't notice the first time around because I'm not good at following that type of thing but I was like oh my god I think they did a great job of incorporating the fight scenes so that it told part of the story and that mm. was just something that was really very good and, and done very well I was knitting lockdown and lockdown mm-hmm. is basically a teaching pattern for like mm-hmm. learning how to brioche so mm-hmm. it's a scarf so in the section that I'm doing, I've done the section a couple of times. So I, you know, not like super complex because it's like, let me teach you how to do one thing and then we'll build upon it. And so it was actually a good choice for me for this movie. But if I had been, if I was the type of person to pay more attention to fight scenes, I would agree with you that the stockinette would have been the preferable choice. But I think even though there was a lot of visual interest and even though, you know, there were subtitles that as somebody who doesn't speak Mandarin, I would I had to follow. It still worked out pretty okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we will wrap up 2021 with that and we'll head into 2022 with the Matrix. Bye. Bye.